Hey there, gorgeous listeners. Welcome back to Throwing Shade. Alan, hey, how's it going? Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. How wonderful. So, last episode, we dove deep into the mystical wonders of Lilith <laughs> and her, um, and how just complicated and nuanced that character is and her origin story. And uh, this week, it sounds like we're going to do some more Lilith. Yeah? Yeah, a little bit more. Okay. A little bit more detailed into that story, and there's a lot more to come, so. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. Let's okay. kick off. Um, yeah, so this uh, this is something we're learning from the Chida, um, Rabbi Chaim Yosef Dovid Azulai. Okay, who, so the Chida was, uh, he's from the 1700s in Jerusalem area, um, biblical scholar, kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah, way to go, Mary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did my wiki. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, nice. <laughs> Thank you for doing the wiki. That's what I'm here for. Um, so yeah, so the Chida, uh, he's actually bringing from a different Makubal. We're going to get pretty mystical here, Zayar stuff too. All right, going deep. Um, yeah, so he's, uh, he says um, about Lilith that, first of all, Lilith didn't get her name right away. Oh, interesting. Her, right. Her first name was actually, drumroll please, <gasps> Chava. Um, which is what seriously? Very, which is very confusing. Yeah, that's super confusing. Um, but she's called in the in the books Chava Harishaina, the first Chava. Oh, um, yeah. Okay. Um, so um, and uh, she, we're going to learn where she gets the name Lilith in a minute. Yeah. But um, and uh, so Chava, by the way, is Eve in English. Ah, yes. So effectively, they're saying that Lilith was the first Eve. Yes. Right. Right. How we would say it in in English, as it were. Okay, great. So, well, Chava Harishon, the, the, the first word, Eve. But the word Chava in Hebrew means life. It's a way to say life. Right. Um, as opposed to Adam, which has a number of meanings. Right. Um, Aleph, Dam, the first blood, the first human oh, blood. Oh, so Dam meaning blood, right? Yeah. And Aleph being the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Right. Um, Adam also... Coming from uh, the the same the same root the same shorash as Adama which means earth, um, which you know a later the second story in in Genesis has uh, Adam being formed out of the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, all right, so fascinating. Right. So, um, and what I'm about to say I should mention in addition to, in addition to being pretty mystical and out there, um, it's going to get a little racy. It's going to mm. get a little. Uh, Politically incorrect, we'll have plenty to discuss. Okay, so parents but listening with their children <laughs> or more sensitive listeners, as they say on NPR, please be warned. Right. Um, and so a lot to dig into here. Okay. Um, remember that we're not taking anything at face value. That's the Jewish way. So, um, Aww. right. So I'm going to say what it is and then we'll actually understand it later. Okay. Okay. Nasev and Ishma. Let's do it and then we'll understand it. Very good. Okay. okay. Um, according to this Makubo that's quoted by the Chida, that what happened is the Chava Harishaina, this mm-hmm. first Chava, she was initially created to be the same height as Adam Rishan. Oh, like physical Th- height. Physical height, yes. Okay. Um, and because of this, it actually caused the pr- problem. Because of this, sh- this is why she didn't accept Adam's authority over her. Ah, and um, and that's why she fled. Okay. <laughs> um, and so and then, and then subsequently that's why Hashem created the second Chava, mm-hmm. 
from the rib of from the side of of Adam. Okay. And when he, Hashem did that, the first Chava got jealous, and she okay. started to do she started to do and what's called in Hebrew she uh, she mileles. Mileles means oh. to incant. She started to do spells directed at the Chava, oh. the second Chava. Mileles, milelet. Yes. Or that sounds an awful lot like another word. Called, right, and that's why she's called Lilith. Oh, right. interesting. You look like you maybe were expecting a different answer. I, I, w- I expected nothing. I came <laughs> in here with beginner's mind. I'm ready to learn anything. Wait, so was, so was Chava like Eve number two? Was she shorter than Adam? It seems to be that way. I don't <laughs> know. Uh, huh. But if you look at... You know, this is not a question I had ever had reason to consider before, (laughs) (laughs) except when you look at like every Renaissance painting (laughs) where it's very, you know, of, you know, of of Adam and Eve in the garden. It's very like, you know, traditional milky skinned Adam (laughs) and Eve. (laughs) And they're both sort of, you know, plump and light and whatever. And Eve is always, you know, the woman's always shorter. Right. Well, what's interesting is that also. I mean, I'm no expert in this field, but it's but isn't it the case that biologically, um, maybe we should we should hold off for the discussion for the second segment. But I thought that in general, women are shorter than men. Is that wrong? I think so. I think yeah. so. I mean, we probably have listeners who know this stuff better, but my yeah. understanding is the average height of an American male, which we we're taller than a lot of people in the world and shorter than a lot of others. But um, an average American male is something like five, nine or so. And an average American woman is something like five, four. Right. Um, which is a pretty significant difference. OK. I, but that's I mean, that's obviously not across the board. Yes. No, it's not. For the listeners who don't know us, Miriam is actually taller than I am. <laughs> So I thought I would point that out. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, they can tell by, you know, the way we speak. Mm-hmm. That. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. So moving right along. Um, That's it. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Continue. Okay. Um, yes. And so, and that's why she's called Lilith. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, what does she do next? She goes to those men who have inappropriate sexual thoughts, mm-hmm. thus causing them to ejaculate. Mm-hmm. She collects the ejaculate from them. Yeah. You and then uses it to have babies. Uh huh. Okay. Um, and this is straight from the Zayar. Yeah. Uh, and it says there also that this Rishina, this first Chava, who is Lilis, mm-hmm. who we know as Lilis, um, became the wife of. The Sam, the Samech Mem, who is the one of the very, very, very destructive um, Shadim, mm. um, whose name I won't complete. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. and uh, what? And a- after she becomes his wife, she sends him to uh, avenge, basically Adam and Chava. She she sends them. She sends him oh. off to cause. Whatever destruction he can to them. Yeah, she's ticked. So what does he do? He rides on the Nachash, the snake that we learn about later. Oh. He's riding the snake and he tempts, he seduces Chava, the one we know as Chava, the second one. 
Okay. Okay. Um, and that's also straight from the Zyre. And then there's more. Uh, you look like you're like gazing off in the distance. Or I'm something. just processing. Like <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's so many levels of things happening in that. Okay. Right? I, let's discuss that in the next segment. Let's let's go to a break. Okay, so when we left off before the break, we learned that Lilith was actually literally named the first Eve, that she got upset, and the whole garden debacle with Adam and Eve 2 was actually because of this cat fight that was going on. Um, so, but apparently, Alan, I cut you off. So let's finish out what what yeah. you were what we were studying, and then we'll talk more about it. Okay, sure. I'll say this piece, and then I'll, I'll say one more thing, which is, first of all, that um, we also learned, by the way, from the Arizal in a sefer called Torah Shlema, that all of this stuff basically um, boils down to the first Chava, who we know as Lilith. All she really did was she went and, and uh, had adultery with the Nachash. Um, and that's what caused everything. So... That's like another sort of piece to, to, to think about. And I bring it up because there are other pieces too. There's another commentary that we may get to that says that Lilith never was created of flesh in the first place. So this whole thing about being the same height, um, maybe we're not talking about a physical height after all. So, I, you know, and, and so like I'm, I'm bringing all this up to say like this is not quote unquote written in stone. There are all these different no, of understandings not, right? of anyway, I just thought I'd, you know. So, okay, so wait, <laughs> so hold on. So she, so the timeline is essentially that Adam and the first Eve, who ends up being Lilith, get created together. And she's, she's upset at the whatever power dynamic arises from between them and has an affair with the snake before she runs off. Um, to be honest, I'm not sure exactly how far along in the story the Arizal takes it. But um, okay. or, or where where it comes from yeah, exactly? But yeah, Rizal being Isaac Luria, yeah, one right. of the sort of major major Kabbalist mystical thinkers of Jewish tradition. Yeah, um, so I don't want to say anything else about that. Uh huh. Um, I'm just bringing it up as a way of pointing out that it's not as though the stories that we're telling them, according to the particular ra- rabbis that we have picked out, mm-hmm. are the only ways to understand this story. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, sure, sure. You know, uh, that's all. Yeah. Well, that's the, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of all of these texts, right? There are so many levels and directions and all of that you can, you can dig in and take them with, but Shivin Panim, the Torah, we say there's 70 exactly. faces to the Torah, 70 facets to the Torah. Indeed. Indeed. And I love this word, total side note, but I love the word Panim, um, which gets in modern Hebrew, it gets translated just as face, but it's actually, it is a plural noun. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this there's this extra sort of layer inside of that word, where as in um, whereas in English, face is very much about outward appearance. Um, panim in Hebrew has the has dimensions to it. It's about the inside and the outside. It's it's inherently plural. It's about that that multiplicity of ways that we present ourselves to the world, which I really love. Um, so. Okay, so this is so this is fascinating, and it also kind of takes away. It's interesting because it takes away some of the agency from the snake, who seems like this sort of treacherous actor in the in the shot, in sort of the simple reading of Genesis. Um, and 
in this context, the snake seems just sort of like he's being used. Hmm. Right. Like he's mm-hmm. he's having this affair with Lilith, which, you know, which I, I don't know whether he's into it or not um but then you know she's the snake is yeah the snake <laughs> is into it or not <laughs> i know that that's the question everybody's wondering <laughs> like um but then it's it's lilith's husband who's going and like riding him in order to well that's right so riding um can mean in, like in modern Hebrew, like a person rides a horse uses that same Hebrew word. Right. Rachav. Yeah. Um, but in traditional Jewish understanding, there's there's the idea of the horse and the rider. Mm-hmm. This idea being that um, uh, the rider is in charge. The rider is in control. Yeah. And this yeah. some character um, has the ability to control the snake. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what's supposed to be understood here. When it says he's oh, interesting. riding the snake, it doesn't mean he's literally like got a saddle on the snake or something. Yeah, no, I can't. <laughs> controlling the snake. I mean, that's definitely what I pictured, but it doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean that that's what's literally happening, although I really kind of hope so. Um, yeah, and I mean, th- I think in that instance, the snake is a bit of the, I don't know, the id, you know, representative of those those sort of more base actions and desires well it's an animal yeah right so when we say snake i should clarify uh it's not doesn't mean necessarily a snake um like we think of now because we know that the snake pre uh expulsion from the garden right was a different creature because it says that it had its legs taken away from it and that it was eating the dirt of the earth now and right it's not it's not a snake like we think of um, necessarily, and certainly not at this point in the story. Right. Um, it's an animal. Right. And so, you know. Yes. Snakes yeah. are still animals. I'm just saying. My point <laughs> is, <laughs> so, okay, so there's, I think, a lot of really interesting takeaways, and I don't want to get overwhelmed here or overwhelm our listeners either. Pick one. Underwhelm them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Well, okay, so we kind of did our feminist thing in the last episode, but I think it's worth noting. We're done with feminism now. I don't. No more. (laughs) We've run the gamut. (laughs) Your words. (laughs) Clearly, I just. Anyway, um, I just think it's worth noting that um, that uh, it's it's spelled out here more clearly than it is in other places that I've seen Mm -hmm. that she that that Adam is supposed to have authority over the first woman. Yeah. And she rejects that mm-hmm. um, and spends the rest of existence trying to, you know, curse out the humans and trying to get revenge on them. Right. Um, starting with sending her husband, her new husband, the sum, mm-hmm. to go and cause their downfall. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's one. Right. Um well, and it's interesting that that part of how she does that is by, you know, collecting the semen of these unwitting young men right. and and using it to to create her offspring, which is sort of uh, bastardizing the, you know, one of the things that really only the female of the species can do. Right. Like women give birth mm-hmm. and um, she's she's weaponizing that in a way. Right. Um 
I'm really glad you used that word because in the next episode, I'd like to talk about weapons. But um, <laughs> um, okay, um, it's a really awesome story. Um, ooh, ooh. But stay tuned. Um, but yeah, and basically, it's um, uh, I, I hear what you're saying, and that's actually where I kind of where I was going to go with it is this idea that um, men, in a sort of twisted way, become victim victimized. By by saying if I if 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 some man somewhere you said young man doesn't have to be young man sure 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 any man anywhere has an emission of any kind on purpose or not right that's created a uh, uh, got countless demons she, Lilith that's caused by Lilith and Lilith takes advantage of it right um and those shadim are there to cause destruction now. Right, and so that becomes a, a a force for instilling a real sense of shame. Right, right, which is which, you know, shaming someone is a an effective, if not entirely ethical, way of, you know, controlling or, um, you know, guiding a, a group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think like there's part of me that thinks about Lilith and sort of that hyper feminized disney villain kind of way like you think about the every disney lady villain <laughs> right you think about maleficent you think about ursula or any of them they're always really made up they're always really exaggerated examples of womanhood and femininity and things like that and i feel like there's an element of that happening with lilith lilith as well that she's taking all of these, what should be the the um, comely, you know, um, pleasant, um, you know, uh, side of of what it means to be a, a woman, and, and really like pushing that to a terrifying extreme, um, in a way that you know just like makes you, you uncomfortable to think about, right? I mm-hmm. mean, we talked last episode about her. I mean, she's collecting all of this seed to have more than a hundred babies every day because so many of them she knows are going to are going to die because she chose to stay out of the garden and it's just like this idea of um femininity and birth and womanhood and what it means to be a mother and all of this taken to this really horrifying extreme well so it right and i just not to put it to find a point on it but it's it's taken to this extreme um so that she can have revenge on right. the human the yeah. humans who yeah. caused this for her. Yeah. Right? She doesn't think of it necessarily as her own fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. There's more to dig into here. We're going to have to yeah. keep going in another episode. But thank you, Alan, for totally, like, weirding making me out. And making everybody uncomfortable. <laughs> everyone uncomfortable. Um, really appreciate it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Whew. All right. Enough with the tough stuff. Let's do something fun. We got a really fun. No promises. It's <laughs> this is not going to be fun. I'm just kidding. Um, so we got a great listener question from Hershey, who um, Alan <laughs> sent me a screenshot of a WhatsApp conversation, which I feel like is just so millennial. So um, he asked, what's with all the shading in this week's Parsha? Thinky emoji face. Question mark. You mean Rashi, says Alan. <laughs> Hershey replies, yeah, Rashi in a handful of places. 
Alan. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you have to read the whole thing. But we get a few shading <laughs> okay. sources from Rashi. Okay, you can stop. You sent me the whole screenshot. I'm reading the whole thing. Please stop. I just don't know what's so special about Vaera. But Mazel tov, you've just submitted an official listener question to Throwing Shade. Tongue sticky outy emoji face. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alan, tell us about Hershey's question. <laughs> Why are there so many shadium? In last week's Parsha, I guess, at this yeah, point. Yeah, we got this question. The Parsha of Vaira, for whenever Vira. you're listening to this. Right. Right. So it's after, um, uh, like, I received this question after the recording of last week's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I will answer it this week. But, right. So what Hershey there is referring to, first of all, thank you, Hershey, for a great question. Yes, thank you. Um, we love listener questions. We do. Yeah. Um the the question is based on the, for those of us uh, for those of our listeners who aren't necessarily familiar with the parsha or are listening to different um yeah what's the deal weeks. what what happens in vaera just like general storyline general storyline it starts essentially with um the 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 the, the, the beginning story kind of is when M- moses and aaron are confronting pharaoh for the first time and they um, they uh, uh, perform the miracle of when when Aaron throws the stick, the staff down mm-hmm. onto the ground and it transforms into a snake. This is a snake heavy episode. It is. I guess it is. Yes. Um, and uh, Paro, Pharaoh is uh, unimpressed and he brings his sorcerers to come and they uh, do the same trick with their sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's clear that it's very different and it's made even clearer and this, when the story continues in just the very surface level understanding of the text, um, the snake that was initially Aaron's staff swallows up the snakes of all of the Egyptian sorcerers' staffs. Right. staffs. Um, um, and it continues on through the first couple of plagues as well, first mm-hmm. three plagues. Okay, great. Um, yeah. And basically, um, Rashi sees this as a pretty exciting opportunity to talk about <laughs> shading in a number of places. Yeah. Um, and uh, in, in this week's Parsha. And I say he sees, sees it as an exciting opportunity because, as I think we've mentioned a number of times, Rashi was living in Europe, in um, Western Europe-ish, in the Middle Ages, um, when shading would have been a very regular daily part of his existence. Right. And in much of the Torah, one has to focus on Hashem the entire time mm-hmm. when making a commentary such as Rashi was doing. Right. But um, finally, Rashi can cut loose. Not, <laughs> I don't mean it like <laughs> and that. Just in fact, what <laughs> I mean. Focus on the Shadim that he's always wanted to. I mean, by, fo- by, by writing about Shadim, which is something he's expert in simply by living in that place in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, he, and, and being who he was, of course. Right. But, um, uh, but, uh, but also by pointing out the very stark difference between what, uh, shade is, what mm-hmm. a sorcerer does and what Hashem does. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what we, what we find actually, there's a, a number of different sources in the Gemara that talk about sorcery and shadim and often they are found right near each other right next to each other Mm -hmm. um 
and yet it's made very clear that they're different. And okay. So that's sort of what I'm trying to get at here. Um, it may look like the same thing on the surface, but something very different is going on metaphysically here. Mm-hmm. So um, even between what a sorcerer does and what a shade does, yeah. and even also the rabbis con- concede in, in the Gemara in, in, in at least one or two places I can think of, um, that there is something that is just what we know as magic tricks, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, the the magic trick of like somebody sneezing and an endless stream of handkerchiefs coming out of their nose. Yeah. You know that one? Yeah. That's mentioned in the Gemara. Really? Yeah. No way. Um, yeah. And it's just like, oh, this is just a magic trick, illusion to the eyes, nothing special going on here. Like um, in the context of some rabbi's kid's birthday party? Or like, why does it No, come in up? the context of sorcery, saying there is real sorcery uh-huh. that exists. There right, is it's real kind magic. of a taxonomical discussion, the, like naming those distinctions. Uh, exactly. I'm not saying magic, because uh-huh. we think of magic as being magic tricks, illusions, that sort of thing. Right. Which the rabbis knew about, but that's different. There is something that I'm calling sorcery, which right. is real. Right. And is extremely prohibited by everything right and the rabbis also admit that it's effective you're just not supposed to do it correct and then there is something else which is what the egyptians were doing Mm -hmm. in at least some of these cases Mm -hmm. which i'll explain in a moment but um that is the egyptians were not doing sorcery exactly Mm -hmm. they were employing shadim Ooh, really yeah so, um, hmm. so, uh, and that's different from sorcery too, because well, yeah, they're not, they don't have any of the power, so to speak, in the in that right. Really, it's just summoning a shade to do a certain thing, yeah, and then them doing it, yeah. Um, it's more a political alliance than right. you know entertainment. And then, and then of course there is a nace, there's a miracle of Hashem, which is a completely different thing, also. Right. Um, what we. Then of course there are different kinds of nisim kinds. Of, I won't get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but what I was alluding to a moment ago is essentially that um, that scene where Paro is, you know, um, not so impressed by the stick turning into a snake. He must have seen it before, so he calls over his royal sorcerers, which he has just hanging out in the palace, mm-hmm. um, and says, "Okay, you do that too," and they do it. Mm-hmm. Um, that scene isn't the first time it isn't the only time in the in last week's parsha where paro calls upon his sorcerers to do uh-huh. something in fact it happens for the first three plagues um he says so the first plague is the plague of blood where the where all water the sources nile river turns to blood yeah the nile but also the all according to the uh, all the water sources in egypt turn into blood mm-hmm. and um um uh, he says, should I be concerned about this? Let's check with the sorcerers. And right. he's, he's a very <laughs> religious person. He's an astrologer. And the sorcerers are, are all related yeah. to astrology. Yeah, and, clearly and has it. a keen eye for when something's happening in his kingdom. He's like, oh, right. But our entire source of water has turned to blood. Should I be worried about this? That is leadership. <laughs> <laughs> right. So he calls his Any sorcerers. Any chance to rib Pharaoh. He's, he's the power. <laughs> well, right. I, I agree 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, he calls the sorcerers and he says, can you do this trick? And they do. Yeah. So they do it on a much sc- smaller scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are able to turn water to blood. Right. Okay. Then the thing with the frogs. So happens. Pharaoh's like, this is no big deal. 
He was like, it'll pass. It'll if you, pass. If, if my sorcerers mm. can, can do it, it must not be so great. Right. It must thing. not be so great because, like, look at these schmoes can also do it. Right. Okay. Um, and remember, <laughs> no, because Paro, he thinks of uh, when I say he's a religious person, I'm not joking. He yeah, thinks no, of himself sure. as a god. I for mean, sure. Right. Um, so uh, then the thing with the frogs happens again. Right. The, 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 um, the uh, uh, um, sorcerers are able to conjure up frogs. Mm hmm. Um, and then lice happens. Yeah. And when he says to the, um, and by this time, all the Egyptians, with the exception of Pharaoh, mm-hmm. are like, "What? You got to stop this! Just send them away already, right? Like it's, you right. know, it's, it's getting crazy with the frogs and the blood, and stop it!" Right. And um, <laughs> and uh, um, even the sorcerers themselves, and it says in in the in the Torah itself, they they uh, when Paro says to them. Can you do this? Right. They say essentially, no. This is the finger of God, and they use like when they the, get to the lice in particular. Yeah, yeah. They can't. They can't do the... just like walk into a kindergarten classroom and. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. The, li- the plague of lice was something that was beyond their capabilities. Okay. You know whether they're using shading or sorcery or whatever. Right. They were unable to recreate it in any fashion. Yeah. And said, "No, this is the this is the finger of God." And they use the he like like it's they they acknowledge God's existence at the third plague already. And these are the right sorcerers of Paro. Yeah. And so think about how much longer Paro, st- you know, waits it out basically. Yeah. Okay. Hershey, thanks for your question, man. And. uh any other listeners want to send us something in? Tweet at Throwing Shade, S-H-E-Y-D. And uh, we will be happy to take that up in another episode. Okay, Shade Throwers, thanks for sticking with us. We'll close out with our action item of the week. And Alan, what I was thinking about was just the role of power in its many forms mm. that uh, has shown up in this whole conversation, both with Adam and Lilith and Adam and Eve and the snake. And then later with the sorcerers versus uh, Moses and Aaron and God acting and all of these things coming together. And um, I think it's really interesting to look at the things of around us through the lens of power and mm who has it and who wants it and who's trying to get it and how and the mechanisms for gaining more power or losing power and to what extent um, those mechanisms are are real or righteous um, and to what extent they are uh, healthy or useful and to what extent they're not and hurtful. So I think it's a it's an important lens to kind of look at the world when we when we get new information when we hear about things that are happening um to look at it through that lens of of power and who has it and who doesn't and what's being done with it and how that lens helps us dig a little bit deeper understand things a little bit better and um get to get to the source of things and look at um look at what's happening around us with a little bit more nuance and insight yeah, and along with that, I'm sorry, you usurped me last week. <laughs> <laughs> you making a power play? Huh? I like I like I like what you're saying. Um one of the I, I just have to say, you know, I um have to bring in something from Rabbi Nachman who says of like Of course you do. Um directly related to power is the attribute of humility. Mm. And what real power is can only come from humility. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, uh, those who are interested can look at Likute Moharan, Torah, mm-hmm. Ayn. <laughs> the writings of, well, the, I don't know, teachings attributed to Rebbe Nachman. No, he wrote them. He wrote them? Yeah. Okay, right on. I love that, actually. And I think that's a perfectly complimentary piece to my action item. I feel as though we are equals in this endeavor, Alan. No, I'm bringing up, (laughs) because think about, think about Lilith, her whole shtick comes about. She needs to have the revenge. She thinks she's, she thinks she's something. Right. You know? Um, Yeah. Anyway. That imbalance or that perceived imbalance. Right. Becomes very painful. Awesome. All right, Shade Throwers, thanks for learning with us this week. We will see you next time on Throwing Shade, Better Living Through Jewish Demonology. (laughs) Until next time.